0: Dive into our latest courses designed to enhance your bond with your furry friend. Whether you're a seasoned owner or a new puppy parent, there's something for everyone at dogspeak101.com. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Enroll now and take the first step toward a happier, well-behaved dog. Visit dogspeak101.com to browse our course catalog. Get 10% off all courses through February the 14th. Hey guys, and welcome to the Dog Speak Podcast. I'm Nikki Ivey, your host. I am thrilled that you are joining me to talk puppies, dog training, real life manners, and more. Be sure to check out our Facebook page as well as our website at dogspeak101.com. Hey, DogSpeak Geeks. Hope you're having a wonderful week. We are so excited to be doing the podcast episode when we're supposed to be doing it instead of waiting to the end of the week. Hope you guys are excited too. Hey, Brett.
1: Hey, happy Monday.
0: Hey, happy Monday. Morning. Morning, yeah. We normally don't ever record in the mornings. We usually record in the evenings, but we want to go ahead and get this done. Had a, a few minutes to try to get it done, and because I get home so late on Monday nights, it's just easier to try to go ahead and complete it. So... Tonight, today, this morning, this episode, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about barrier frustration.
1: Um, explain what that is to people who don't know what it is. So and I know that you
0: that a lot of dogs have it. barrier frustration is I mean, to sum it up fairly simply, it, it's when a dog is frustrated because they cannot get to what they want because of a barrier. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think it that is just fence fighting a barrier aggression. Uh, They will think that fighting through the fence that their dog is, is aggressive towards other dogs because they fight through the fence. But the thing with barrier frustration is that it's not just a fence that can cause barrier frustration. I mean, if we think about it, there are a lot of things that can cause it. It, It's anytime it is, there is something preventing us from getting what we want. Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) You know, I just joked a second ago, I was like, I feel barrier frustration when Sundays liquor stores were closed here in Tennessee. I would have barrier frustration
1: (laughs) when I forgot to buy liquor on Saturdays. And the barrier in that case is the liquor store door.
0: Yes. And it was closed and locked with an alarm system and I had no alcohol. Um, So, but really with dogs, barrier frustration can be a lot of things. It can be uh, the window or the front door. It can be your fence. It can also be that invisible fence that is also a barrier. Mm. You have your car window, so the car itself. Baby gates can create barrier frustration. Yeah. Um, and a leash is preventing a dog from getting something. So you have that. Now, we typically call that leash reactivity, and we've done episodes on that. But if we really break it down, it, it's... Barrier frustrations, I can't get to something because something's in my way. And that doesn't typically make a dog aggressive towards whatever they're looking at, uh-huh. although that frustration can come out in many different ways. Yeah. I mean, we've gotten a few phone calls on that, but we don't really get a lot of phone calls on barrier issues. I don't
1: think people realize that it, it is a problem. I think because... Well, like you said, a barrier can also be window, leash. Uh, I think because people don't recognize that those things are also barriers.
0: Yeah. But I'm also not sure if people realize that even though that barrier frustration may not really affect them in their day-to-day life, that it will affect a dog. Because if a dog is frustrated... At wanting to see another dog Mm -hmm. and there's a barrier in the way, then when they do get an opportunity to see that dog, they're going to go in to greet that dog with the same amount of energy that they were using behind the barrier. Yeah. Which means that it's not going to be a very good greeting.
1: Not going to be appropriate at all.
0: Not at all. There's no self-control there. So I I think a lot of people don't realize that barrier issues are a real issue. Mm Mm-hmm. And if we can work on teaching our dogs that there are more appropriate ways, uh, then we can have better interactions when that fence is not there. Yeah. You know, it's funny, I've, I've seen one thing and there's this video I saw online not too long ago, but I've seen it myself where you have two dogs and there's a fence between them. They are trying to eat each other through the fence. And then you take the fence away or you open that gate or whatever, and they just either look at each other calmly or they start playing. Yeah. Like, it's like they're best friends. But then you put that barrier there. If you looked at that, then you would think, okay, you know, that we have two aggressive dogs that are going to hurt each other. Well, no, it's just that barrier of frustration.
1: So what do you recommend to people <clears throat> whenever their dogs
0: are doing this? Well, I think the first thing we have to do is um, anytime we're working on Issues like that, we have to set the dogs up for success, right? Mm-hmm. And that a lot of times means that uh, we have to make some adjustments in our in our life, in our household. Uh, first thing would be, um, I would say, do not give your dog free access to running the yard without supervision, without you there to help with that. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people have dog doors that they leave uh, open for the dog to run in and out as they please, whether they're home or not, and if we're not there to help the dog control themselves, then we're just allowing the dog to
1: increasingly be reinforced. Yeah. We have a lot of calls about people who who do have doggy doors. And while they're gone, they're getting calls from the neighbors. And the neighbors are frustrated because the dog's outside barking and there's no one there to intervene. Yeah. So it's like, okay. Except the neighbor's dog or the neighbor. <laughs> right. They're not doing it correctly.
0: No, absolutely not. And and it can be very dangerous, um, you know, for dogs to be left outside or allowed outside with no one home. I mean, thievery is an issue mm-hmm. where people do steal dogs. Um, but it's also an issue where um, if, say, a neighbor, and unfortunately this does happen, um, neighbors get frustrated and they start tossing over food over the fence with things that are not appropriate for dogs you know and they poison them it happens uh, because of that frustration and we need to one we need to be more respectful of our neighbors and what our dogs are barking you know we live in a neighborhood with dogs and we do allow our dogs to bark some but we do pretty much keep it in check but I get frustrated when I'm sitting outside at night and I'm trying to relax
1: mm-hmm. and
0: I have a neighbor's dog barking nonstop.
1: And it's always at the fence too, at something on the it's, other it's side It's always
0: on the other fence. side of the fence. And it's so frustrating for me. Um, and it's, you know, and what's aggravating for me is I feel like they don't care and they're home, mm-hmm. but I feel like they don't care. And mm-hmm. I'm outside and, and sometimes it's 10, 11 o'clock at night and I'm, I'm falling asleep outside because I love hammock. to sleep outside in the hammock. And the dog is barking nonstop and it absolutely, as much as I love dogs, it makes me angry because it's very frustrating for me. So I know that that dog is frustrated. So the first thing is we do have to make sure that we are uh, controlling the environment, right? Now, I know a lot of people um, have... Uh, see-through fences. So the chain link fences, they don't have privacy fences. Privacy fences are going to be better, but even privacy fences, you're still going to get a dog that's barking Mm -hmm. at the fence. I've seen, you know, neighbor dogs, they'll run the fence on either side. Um, But controlling that or keeping it to where your dog cannot see. um, But that's all management, obviously. Um, I'm also not a fan of invisible fences for the front yard. Yeah. If you want to do an invisible fence for the backyard uh, and that's the best that you can do, fine. But I do not like invisible fences in front yard because it's creating reactivity with dogs. Mm -hmm. You know, they're running the fence line. They're they're barking back and forth with dogs that are walking, humans, joggers, bicycles, skateboards, whatever. And these dogs are going to get frustrated seeing that and not being able to reach. And even though there's no physical fence there, you're still creating that and you have no control with that.
1: It's also, I think, it creates some issues with the dog that's on the other side of the invisible fence, too. If you've got one that's constantly running, or any fence in the front yard, really. um, Where I've walked dogs by invisible fences, and it's super scary for a dog when they don't know if that dog is about to come over a line. Yeah. And can cause some reactivity there as well.
0: Oh, absolutely. And and again, it's kind of hard to tell if that dog is actually even friendly because of the frustration. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if it did get out of the fence, what would it do? You mm-hmm. know, if it's an invisible fence and it runs through and gets shocked, or let's say it does get too close and doesn't hear the beat because it's barking and then it gets shocked. Now mm-hmm. that dog has an association with another dog causing pain. Mm-hmm. So now we've created some serious aggression issues, not just frustration. So frustration is going to turn into aggression if we don't deal with it.
1: It goes back to the aversive yes. training.
0: absolutely. Yeah.
1: So, you know, if I get shocked
0: when I see a dog, I'm going to start hating dogs. Even though it's my own fault, I'm getting shocked. But again, you know, these invisible fences, they're not my favorite. I mean, I like it better than... Um, You know, a dog running free, obviously, Mm -hmm. but it's, um, I don't think they're appropriate for the front yard. If you have people walking by your house, Um, I think it's better for everyone just to keep them in the backyard. It's not that hard, you know, so, um, tie outs can also cause frustration. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, I like tie outs for backyards, not front yards, um, but Management is important. So anytime I'm going to give my dog access to the fence area, I need to make sure I'm there so that I can one, interrupt. But in turn, instead of just folks interrupting that behavior, I really want to make sure that I'm working on the appropriate behavior. Mm -hmm. So, um, oh, and also let me bring up, if you have multiple dogs, especially if you're not home, allowing multiple dogs to run a fence You can easily uh, get what we call redirected or indirect aggression, where one dog is getting frustrated because they can't get what they want. And that might be a rabbit, a cat, a dog, whatever. And that frustration turns on the organism that is closest, which is typically the other dog. I know a lot of people probably see this like at the front door or windows inside Mm -hmm. where the dogs attack each
1: other. Yeah. And it's all about
0: frustration.
1: I mean, we've had that with our own dogs occasionally where they've just been amped up and yeah
0: you're right Jake and Dan has, mm-hmm. has they've and done Isabella that a couple of times
1: and, and Dan as well
0: oh see there you go I'm obviously I think I was only here for a couple of those but but it is it's just this frustration and you get small spaces or that arousal is high because they're running back and forth mm-hmm. so we really do need to make sure that we are controlling things so if you're not home don't give access to outdoors um, also, if you know you've got window ear issues where your dogs are barking at the windows all day, don't give them access to the windows, right? Don't allow them to sit up on the chairs up on the back of the couches. You know, they have this nice film now that can go on windows to where the dogs can't see out, but it'll still let light in. Mm-hmm. Those are really good while you're working on things. Uh, so uh, that's one thing is avoid... Them doing it when no one's there to work on it. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of times, if it's not a real serious barrier issue, I'll just teach people to interrupt it and then praise when they're doing the right thing. So very simply, if it, let's just take the window barking. Uh, if the dog is barking at the window, we like to use our that's enough command and we match that with the behavior of take your attention away from it. Mm-hmm. And that's just basically take your eyes off of it. We use that for anything we don't typically mind, but we want to interrupt it in the moment. It's just not appropriate in the moment. Yeah. Uh, That way it's not a correction. It's just a simple redirection. But we have to teach behavior. So using things like shut up, quit, stop, all those things, that's not going to do anything if you don't teach a behavior. Yeah. Now, if you want to teach redirect with your word shut the f*** up, (laughs) then that is totally up to you. I think that's funny. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You know? It's totally up to you. But... We do want to make sure we are teaching a behavior with it. So that's enough with a redirect. And we have a video on our website, dogspeak101.com, called Controlled Window Barking. And that will show you exactly how to use that technique. Mm -hmm. So that's enough. And then we go and redirect. And eventually, you should be able to just say, that's enough. And the dog redirects. So we use it a lot in the backyard. We let our dogs out. And sometimes they bark. Sometimes they don't. And sometimes we'll let them bark a little bit. We let uh, Double D bark a little bit yesterday. It was during the day and it was just kind of, it was a nice day and we let her bark a little bit. It wasn't uncontrolled. No, it was fine. But there are times where it gets way overboard and it's just obnoxious and we can just open the window, open the door, or if we're out there, just say name and that's enough and they stop. And that's what we want. So again, not taking things away. Now we have a privacy fence, so we don't have that issue as far as running the fence line. We don't have dogs that have access to our fence mm-hmm. so we we have proper we have some property where a lot of people will share a fence yeah so if you have that that's another that's a whole other ball game which we'll get to in a minute so going back to inside the house we use our that's enough with a redirect and then when the dog is looking out the window say your dog is perched on the couch looking out the window all day don't take that for granted if you're there and the dog's quiet acknowledge that mm-hmm Tell them that you would prefer to see that, that that can earn rewards instead of waiting till the dog barks. And then now you become reactive Yeah, and you can't react to the dog. So screaming and yelling at your dog is pointless. Now, the real issue of barrier frustration, I think, is going to happen in your backyard with the fence. And that's really where my focus, I really kind of want to focus on today, mm-hmm. is dealing with that fence area. First and foremost, if you have, if you share a fence with a neighbor, you need to have a conversation with your neighbor. If your neighbor has a dog, you and your neighbor need to get together and probably work it the same way so that you can teach the dogs to not be attacking each other through the fence. Because I know a lot of people do share fences. Yeah. So you, there's a couple of things that I want to have you do is, is one, talk to your neighbor, see if you guys can get on the same page. The second thing is you need to go ahead and set your dog up for success where we're not allowing the dog out there without you. So if you know your neighbors are out or it's a, a, a time where people are walking or jogging and your dogs can see that or your neighbor's dog is out, you have to kind of get an idea of what that schedule looks like. You want to probably use something like a long leash, 20 or 30 foot, to where you do not give your dog access to the fence itself and start teaching what you would rather have. Praising, rewarding with really high value treats, and acknowledging the good behavior of the dog in the backyard. Now, you might start this with just sitting on your deck. I know a lot of people have to where their neighbors come out on their deck, and their dog starts barking. Yeah, and it's not necessarily a barrier frustration. It's just more of a you know barking hey, because something's here. there. Yeah, so we can easily teach what we want with that, and that just requires a lot of reinforcement. Of teaching what you want thing is is once your dog starts getting better and you start giving them access to the fence itself you're still praising and rewarding for good behavior if you need to do a that's enough with the redirect there you can use the long leash for that mm-hmm. instead of trying to walk you know 40 feet of fence redirecting your dog you can just use the leash but the leash isn't used to yank the dog it's just used to get the dog away from the fence yeah. Until it's calm for a few seconds and then let the dog go back. So I think a lot of people would do better just not even giving their dog access to those barriers without them there. Mm-hmm. That would that would get you started on the right path Yeah, for sure. But teaching what you want at that barrier is important, but it's going to take those steps. And then I still recommend having a that's enough for the backyard because I think it, I don't want to take the dog's barking away. All right. Now, the barking of, say you have like a chain link and your dog can see joggers, uh, the mailman, other dogs walking, bicycles. If that dog is allowed to sit there and bark at that all day, then what we're now getting is a dog is barking at a jogger and then it moves away. So the dog is getting reinforced. Right. For that item, that object, whatever, moving away. So now we're we're reinforcing the dog for doing something we really don't like because if that dog gets out of that gate he may not specifically hate joggers but now with that frustration built up so that gate opens guess who's going to get nipped on the hills yeah that jogger
1: doesn't mean your dog is aggressive which is horrifying as someone who used to run
0: Oh well, I <laughs> yeah I've, I've had dogs when I was um you know on my bicycle and cycling Worried about these dogs coming mm-hmm. out of these because I would cycle in the country where dogs don't have fences and they're not tied up, and uh, yeah, it's fair. It's it's frustrating for me because I don't want to wreck on my bicycle. I think I'd rather be jogging to get nipped and to get tumbled on a bicycle, but I don't jog. I don't run. That's crazy. That's <laughs> insane. You know. So I think it's. It's not fair for the dog, especially when you have like healers or cattle dogs that are have access to a fence to watch things go by that they can't get to. Mm. That's going to build up. Yeah. Um, you know, so I know people are like, well, what are we supposed to do? We have a fenced in yard. What's the point? Well, the point is for the dog to enjoy the yard, but to teach the appropriate behavior Before you give
1: the dog access to that yard unsupervised. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you have your dog off leash. That's essentially what it is. Having off leash control just because they have a perimeter. Exactly. It doesn't change that. It's still off leash.
0: This is why so many people are focused on leash training, which is great because I want you to take your dogs out. But we use the leash to teach off leash control because your dog is off leash a lot more than it's on leash.
1: True that. right,
0: so if get that control in the fenced-in yard, and when you can do that, then, you know, you're well on your way of having that off-leash control in other places. Mm -hmm. But not allowing the dog to do it is important. Two, focusing on the good behavior, very important. So a lot of dogs don't start out with barrier frustration. Most dogs start out just looking through these barriers at the thing that's over there, and we take it for granted. Yeah, Lots and lots of praise and reinforcement for that. You're doing something like a car. I know we get a lot of barkers in cars Mm -hmm. because you have a lot of things moving outside the car. The car's moving itself. You have people, motorcycles, big loud trucks, joggers, other dogs. The best way to handle those things is take your dog in the car and go sit in a parking lot. Reward the dog every time it sees whatever that trigger looks like. Whether it's another dog, whether it's a bicycle, a skateboarder, a jogger, whatever. But work on it. All right. So don't think that barrier frustration is just at a chain link fence. There's many places. A crate can be barrier frustration. Mm-hmm. You know, people talk about dogs of crate, you know, they're aggressive in their crate. They're territorial in their crate. Probably not. They're probably not territorial of their crate. Yeah. What they are is they're frustrated because they're in the crate and they can't get what they want, and they're spending too much time in that crate.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Play pens, you know. I mean, that can create barrier aggression.
1: Yeah.
0: Or I should say barrier frustration. Barrier frustration can turn into barrier aggression, but barrier frustration. So you know, it's one of those simple things that we just don't think about until we have a problem, mm-hmm. and then once it's a problem, it will just snowball into things and then it will affect the dog when there is no barrier so we need to really work on it and and i know it sounds like simple steps it's going to take some time and it takes some work but it's well worth it yeah it's and you know uh isabella actually has barrier frustration
1: yeah in the car yeah we were (laughs) when she was young i worked pretty hard with well we both did with the door the window with the fence and not so much with the car yeah, so she we've doesn't been, bark much in the on the other stuff but the car we've been working really hard on that lately and just driving around and parking in different places in parking lots and rewarding for good behavior she's getting she's getting better but it's not something that's going to happen overnight i mean and it's something we're she may be fine in one parking lot and then the next one, not so much. So it's it's a constant thing and just being prepared to work on it and know that, hey, this is probably going to pop up while we're out on this trip. So don't do it while you're out on a planned trip. Go, go work on it random times.
0: Yeah. And it hers isn't so much as barking is a lot of whining.
1: I call it singing. Singing. <laughs> The song for people.
0: Yeah, she's kind of loud about it. Um, but yeah, you've had to work on that. And and I will say that something like bear your frustration with the yard or with if you do travel with your dog or go places with your dog, that's gonna be a little bit of a longer process because you are going to have moments that you're not gonna be able to work on it, mm-hmm. you know, while you're driving. You've yeah. stopped at a red light. And a dog walks by Mm -hmm. and she wants to see the dog. What we want to do is make sure we're setting up those times to work on it. So when it does pop up, we have a higher percentage of success in that moment. Yeah. But you've got to work on it. Yeah. You had come to class and then you left class and I thought you'd already headed home to start with dinner. And I walk out of class 20 minutes late and there you are sitting in the car with Isabella. And well, I was so proud of you because well, you were working on it. Yeah,
1: I was working on people and dogs walking by. And that's what you have to do. Yeah. And she doesn't unleash sometimes as well, as you've seen in class. Oh, yeah. She gets very frustrated because she
0: wants to see that dog, and that leash is a barrier to her. Mm-hmm. So really, when I when you sit back and look at it, barrier frustration is all across the board. So if you work on it in one area... It'll improve in other areas, but you will need to work on it in the areas where your dog has the most frustration. Because there is a, for me, I think when I look at leash reactivity, my question to people, you know, I ask about how that looks and what the behavior is. Because for me, I'm going to handle a dog who barks and lunges on leash that is just frustrated because they want to see the other animal Mm -hmm. because they're excited I deal with that differently than I deal with a dog who is afraid on leash, barking and lunging at another dog. I deal with it two different ways. And so knowing, is it true leash reactivity based on fear or is it leash reactivity based on barrier frustration? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I had a, a pit bull the other night that I was like, well... Um, you know, let's see which one is this and it turns out that this pity was all about play Was so excited to see other dogs And so we deal with that just a little differently So it's just a little barrier frustration of I want to see that dog, but I can't yeah And some of you have may have have had that problem on a leash where your dog is so frustrated They turn around and bite the leash That is redirected aggression Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, they're going to be biting on you And I have seen dogs that get so frustrated on leash. They do turn around and bite the owner We've had several
1: cases of that uh, in the last six months. Yeah,
0: so that's you know there's a lot of work that needs to be done at home before we even get them on leash. You know, t- teaching self control, problem solving skills, those are important things. Sometimes using a basket muzzle is appropriate so that you're safe. And so there, there's definitely a lot of things that we can do with barrier frustration. But just keep in mind that I think that I think that probably ninety percent of people that have a dog have some sort, some sort of barrier frustration with their dog if they sit and think and look at it. Yeah. And I don't think we hit on it enough. Now that we're sitting here talking, doing this podcast, because I'm thinking, yeah, it's, a, it's an issue that we run into often, but not overboard. But now that I'm thinking about it, I think that probably 90% of people deal with barrier frustration with their dogs and they don't see it that way.
1: Well, right, because, you know, again, my dog doesn't, run the fence and bark at the fence, but she does it in the car. And, and we sort of look at those as two separate issues, uh, or at the window or whatever, when in fact, it's all really the same thing.
0: Yeah. So if you've got barrier frustration, find yourself a positive trainer, find somebody that can come and help you with some foundational skills on, you know, teaching your dog some self-control before putting them in those situations, manage the situations, close that dog door. If you're not there, and now, if you're home and you can go out and, and interrupt when needed and then work on it at other times, that's what you need to do. And just know that as long as however much work you put into it is how quickly you'll get results. But the more you let your dog out, if you're letting your dog out unsupervised ninety percent of the time to run the fence and you're working on it ten percent of the time, you're gonna continue to have barrier frustration.
1: Yeah.
0: And and you're gonna resort to, you know, aversive techniques. We talked about that in this last episode, that dogs do not love unconditionally. Do not resort to that because you don't want to put the work in. Yeah. So that is, you know, it's a frustrating thing for me, frustrating thing for the dogs, uh, because they're just doing what works. You know, they don't know that that barking at the fence is annoying their neighbor. You know, I get mad at that dog that lives behind us, but I know it's not the dog's fault. Right. It's, It's the owners because they're just, they don't they don't care. So it's, don't get mad at the dogs, work on it. Uh, and like I said, if you're sharing a fence with your neighbors, you may have to find a way to um, put up another temporary fence a few feet from that fence so they can't get to the privacy fence or get to that fence to bite through it. Um, if you have a chain link, they have different type of tarps and things that you can weave through it. They have some Uh, clear uh, or plastic type material. I don't know. It's not my not my jam. I don't know what that stuff's called but there are things that you can put inside chain link fences to block and that may be something you need to do temporarily to help your dog. Film on the windows. Things like that. So uh, but you definitely are going to be needing a long leash. You're going to be needing a regular leash you're going to probably need a little bit of assistance, but just know that it's about teaching your dog what we want, preventing them from doing what we don't want, limiting those options. Um, and, you know, but teach them that sometimes it is okay to bark a little, but the majority of the time we need to be able to control it with our that's enough. So, uh, but that, I mean, again, it's not a easy thing that we can really discuss on an episode, all the steps by step, but giving you the general information is all we can do because every situation is going to be a little different on how you handle it. But I can tell you the bottom line is manage it, limit options, teach what you want and be able to interrupt when needed. But do like Brittany, go drive around parking lots with your dog in the car
1: and look like a creepy person. Look
0: like a creepy person. Yes. But sometimes if you have a really cute dog, it helps
1: because I see she's pretty cute.
0: She is pretty cute. So that's all I got. You got any extra to add on there? You were really quiet in this episode.
1: It is Monday morning. <sighs> Did we mention that? It is Monday morning. I only had one cup of coffee.
0: Yeah, that's all right. It's okay. There wasn't a whole lot to, I guess, <laughs> throw around on this one. Um, but we we love to hear from you guys. So if you have any um, ideas on an episode, shoot us an email at info at dogspeak101.com. Check out the Patreon uh, account, our Patreon page. Uh, patreon.com slash dog speak and um, also I don't know if you guys and we and realize that I need to probably start mentioning this a little more often for our local people um, with our service dog uh, organization that we work with Retrieving Independence. What we do we work with them well every day basically. <laughs> uh, Britt and I both work with them. Uh, we basically raise service dogs and um, we have them In the Tennessee prisons, we have two prisons that we send our dogs into to learn tasks, to work with the inmate trainers, but we also have volunteers out here in the free world that uh, work with the dogs, taking them out to restaurants and stores and teaching them how to live in this world, uh, in the free world, um, and being service dogs, and we're always looking for volunteers, so if you're local, riservicedogs.org, we could absolutely use you if it's just fundraising if it's a furlough volunteer on the weekends whatever we will give you the training Uh, we have a lot of opportunities so check it out riservicedogs.org we would love to have you and you would get to um, meet Brittany and I both in person uh, if you join the organization so uh, but we appreciate you guys, and we hope that you have an opportunity to work with your dogs. And if you need help, reach out to us if you're local. If you're not local, find a positive trainer in your area, one that is not balanced, one that is positive, reinforcement, force-free trainer. Uh, you do not want to be adding in any more aversives than that barrier already
1: is for that dog. Yeah. Uh, anything, got anything there, Britt, to yeah. finish it up on? And we can also do Zoom consults if you're not local as well, or if uh, you're not having people in your house at this time because COVID, so we can also help in that way. That's right. See, I forget about these Zooms, even though I have two Zooms coming up right Mm -hmm. after this
0: Mm -hmm. episode. I forget sometimes that. So yes, we do have the Zoom consults if you're not local. Uh, We would love to work with you and help you out in any way that we can. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys, and we hope you have a wonderful week.